At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, July 26th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed Spitting Statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed to be joined by my guy, FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Angle. How you doing, Scotty, on a Thursday? Gracias, boy amable. Uh, you know, go over to rotoexperts.com and uh, you know, thank me later. Con mucho gusto for my uh, guide to the first round part of the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package on rotoexperts.com and to the king and check out for a special discount. Absolutely. You definitely need to check out the Roto Experts exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Not only do you get the King's Guide to the first round, you get his ranks, okay, at all positions. You get projections from all all positions, all players. You get the rankings of the number one accuracy expert in the business, our guy, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley there. It may even be an article by the Spitting Statistician, all right? But plenty of ways you can join. And the also the here. number three wide receiver ranker, which is me. Ooh, very nice, yeah, very yeah. nice. We'll talk about that for yeah. sure as we get into your wide receiver ranks a little bit down the road. But remember, guys, listen, Scott and I, we like to put the fun in functional sports radio, okay? So you could join the show so many different ways, all right? You could always dial the number, 844-843-6879. We're always happy to help you try and win your leagues and win that cash. Also, we got a Twitter poll question up, okay? If you want to join the fun that way. And listen, Scott, with like, you know, camps opening, we're hearing that. You know, for example, Deshaun Watson avoided the pup list. We heard that Andrew Luck avoided the pup list, stuff like that. You know, so my question really is, which which quarterback that kind of ended their year last year with injury or maybe didn't even play at all last year, are you most excited seeing back on the field, Scott? Is it Carson Wentz? Is it Andrew Luck? Is it Deshaun Watson? Or is it Aaron Rodgers? What's your answer, Scott? These are four, like, pretty big-time quarterbacks who are all leading teams who, you know, have some aspirations. Who do you think is kind of most important? or Who are you most excited to see back on the field of these guys, Scotty? I'll probably just Sean Watson because, mm. 
you know, as it was pointed out in the exclusive edge package uh, by our Dom Cinerino in his injury outlook, uh, you know, he was on pace to throw 57 touchdown passes the way he was going. Of course, it's not going to be that upside over a full season. But like I said in my first-round guide yesterday, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, to me, is a mid-first-round wide receiver because, you know, playing he scored 13 touchdowns last year with Deshaun Watson only starting six games. So I'm really excited to see what Deshaun Watson can do in that offense over a full season. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, everyone, the meteoric rise of that, not only the boon to DeAndre Hopkins, but like, you know, Will Fuller was like catching two touchdowns a game, yeah. you know, obviously unsustainable. Remember also Deshaun Watson and D-Hop, both Clemson products. So I like that little connection as well. With Houston, listen, Deshaun Watson cleared. Uh, Jadavion Clowney avoids the pup list. J.J. Watt avoids the pup list as well. However, Deontay Foreman did not. He is on the pup list. And, and Scott, Foreman is a guy that I've had my eye on all last year, and I'm kind of excited about for this year, if and when he returns, you know, kind of in the early season, mostly because I don't really have that much faith in Lamar Miller in uh, as a lead back, and I kind of think that over time, this timeshare could start trending towards Deontay Foreman. What do you think about the uh, Houston Texans running back room? We've talked about, you know, Watson and, and, and the, the huge stats that he had and potentially the implications for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who I agree with you. I have him as wideout number two overall behind only Antonio Brown. But uh, what do you think happens in the running back room? Do you have faith in Lamar Miller, Scott? Not really. You know, we all thought he was going to come over uh, to Houston and, you know, get more volume. He was... He was going as a first-round pick with his first year with the Texans, and he just it, we just found out that he's nothing more than a part-time back. So you know, if and when you know they get the, they, they get this kid Foreman up and running, I think he's going to be a real threat to uh, to Lamar Miller. And the fact that he's injured now kind of puts him at a discount to me. I agree with you. He, he's at a discount. He is someone who I would definitely target in the end of drafts or when you think, you know, kind of later on in the draft. Because honestly, Scott, I'm going to tell you right now, if you and your team make the fantasy playoffs, in the fantasy playoffs, I believe Dante Foreman will be a starting running back in the NFL. You know, so uh, – and sometimes you got to think about that, right? If you are a contending team – you know, or for example, Scott, like in my dynasty, right? If you already have enough people and you think you are a good team, you may want to spend the draft on people like that with upside down the road. Or you may want to target guys who people think um, are not of value because they're getting suspended. Like if you have a good team, I, would, I wouldn't you know, think it's a bad idea to go ahead and target you know, Mark Ingram and Julian Edelman. What do you think about that, Scott? This idea that if you really think you're a contender, thinking about these guys who will be beneficial for you like literally in weeks like 12 through 16 when you need them in the fantasy playoffs, people that maybe suspended or, you know, are coming back from injury a little bit later. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, it puts them at a discount, you know, in a new dynasty draft. I think that's, uh, mm. you know, that's, that, that, that's a good angle uh, in a keeper league as well. You know, most of those guys will be kept in a regular dynasty league. But, you know, even in a yearly draft, an auction, you might want to spend a few more bucks on these guys and you know, Josh, you know that that goes with Josh Gordon too. Uh, right. You know, he could be there at the end of the year, and that, like we said, that's that's the ultimate risk reward. You know, you look at guys who are starting out injured, and you know, maybe starting out on the suspension, and and you know, they come as values. And I think you know, Edel, Edelman and Ingram are are two perfect examples of that.
Yeah, absolutely. The example I remember a few years back now for me in a long-term dynasty league, I happened to get uh, Mr. Le'Veon Bell at value because if you remember in his rookie mm-hmm. year, he was coming off a knee injury, you know, so I drafted him much later. Like he went in that year, he went after Eddie Lacy, after Monte Ball, who were the rookie running backs also in that draft. And I'd say, you know, that worked out well for dynasty owners of Lev Bell. But yeah, these guys Well, do one thing is, value. is that, it's not like the Ezekiel Elliott situation last year mm. where you just didn't know when the hammer was going right, to drop. Right, you know they're coming back, right? Now you know these guys are out for the, like the first four games of the year. Right. You know you're going to be missing them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even Aaron Jones, although I see him more as in a complimentary role with Jamal sure. Williams, and, you know, it's not run first in Green Bay. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, even didn't even Todd Gurley, his rookie year, miss some time early on, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, definitely, because remember, you win your cash, you win that trophy, you know, a little bit further down the season, and these guys will be back for you in viable pieces. Hey, Scotty, you mentioned uh, Josh Gordon, okay? And listen, we've been talking about this situation is like personal health and wellness and all this stuff, and if he's in trouble or not. And still, once again, Cleveland is reinforcing that he's not in trouble. But check this out. The GM uh, Dorsey yesterday says he absolutely expects uh, Josh Gordon to play, but he's saying that, you know, yesterday what was described as a brief respite, get this, this is the GM saying it could be three days, it could be a week, it could be a month. Like, that's crazy to me, Scott. Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I reiterate, what happens if in the middle of October or, or in your fantasy playoffs, the dude is like, eh, I need another brief respite. And they don't know if it's three days or a month. This instability is starting to feel a little bit weird to me. Also, Scott, because Dorsey in the same interview said that, yes, the Browns are considering signing Des. Bryant. And so my question is, like, uh, what does this mean for Josh Gordon? Like, this is starting to send up red flags for me when I was just about to feel like maybe he's got himself on the right path and can once again be a contributing, you know, member to the Browns and a fantasy football team. This sounds this is starting to sound like it's more concerning to me. Starting to sound? Come on. This this guy has always been a concern. This is nothing new. You always knew you could turn around at any minute and something like this can happen. Now, look, the 30 days, he's still there for the regular season. That's not that big of a deal. Let's actually analyze what he said. I definitely expect him to play this year. He could be gone for up to 30 days, he basically said. That doesn't mean his regular season is officially threatened here. But at the same time, for them to say they're going to sign Des Bryant, which is, a, to me, a downgrade from when Josh Gordon is on the field, you know, that, that, that's just another – these are just reminders of what the huge risk-reward is with Josh Gordon and how careful you have to be and how valuable of a, of a pick that is. And when it comes down to a tough decision between him and another guy, like right. he's going between Josh Gordon and Golden Tate you, right. or Josh Gordon and Marvin Jones – you know, it's 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 in the favor of the other guy because at least they'll be on the field. Exactly. You know, we talked about this before. It is the uh, prototypical risk-reward kind of uh, situation. So you mentioned kind of receivers that are maybe in that area. You mentioned Golden Tate. I talked about Alshon Jeffrey, maybe Demarius Thomas, people like that. I mean, like, I might lean the other way and not want to deal with this at all. Talk to me, though, about this Des Bryant. You know, it's the first time we've heard him in the mix. You know, kind of about for a while with the team. You know, he remains, as in my opinion, the biggest name out there still on the street. We had a 
name submission, The Walking Dead, yesterday. I mean, do you think Cleveland's a decent spot for him? Like, I've been saying for a while that the spot I believe would be a decent fit are the Indianapolis Colts because they've got, like, Chester Rogers as their number two yeah. and Brian as a different kind of receiver than T.Y. Hilton. You know what I mean? But this news about Cleveland, that's interesting. Can you handicap the uh, Des Bryant stakes for me a little bit, Scott? Let's read some tea leaves. What do you think might be a good fit? Do you buy that maybe Cleveland could be a home? Would Des even go for that? Or do you think he'd want to try and find, like, a quote-unquote contender to play for? I think Des wants to find a contender. I, I don't. I don't think he wants to play for. Although Cleveland's got a lot of nice pieces in place, right? Talent wise, and uh, make sure you also uh, read the exclusive edge package from our outgoing Mike Florio. Uh, Cleveland mm. Browns are they a real fantasy resource? Are they just a tease in the exclusive edge package? Enter the king at checkout for a discount. But uh, look, Dallas would be the perfect place, but they're not going to take him <laughs> back. Uh, you know, look at Buffalo. You know, could def Buffalo and Miami could certainly use him, but he's, you know, he's he's uh, he's not going to go there. He already turned down a three-year deal from Baltimore, so he's going to want to go to a contender with Andrew Luck back. You know, that team can certainly be a be a contender. So, you know, I like I like what you're saying about uh, you know the Indianapolis Colts. If the San Francisco Forty ers get off to a good start, you know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's a team. That could use Dez. Uh, New Orleans is is another team, I think. You know, maybe could use that that extra big target as well. Uh, Green Bay was rumored for a while, but mm. but he pulled away. So I kind of like I kind of like like you, you you know Indianapolis, San Francisco. You know, there might be an injury to a wide receiver. Dez is right. going to wait it out and see what happens. I uh, look Dez's estimation of himself is greater than what the production sure. has been. Yeah, I'm no, Des Bryant. I can hold out and play for anybody <laughs> I want. Let me put up the X. You know? yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. I hear you. And I think uh, some of those squads you mentioned are interesting. I, I still go to Indy just because, like, you know, you mentioned San Francisco, right? Like, they have two legit wideouts there already in Garcon and Goodwin, right? In, in Indy, I see really only T.Y. Hilton. And the part that puts it over the top for me is, like, you know, Des and T.Y. Hilton, they play different roles. You know, Te- yep. Des is mm-hmm. that, you know uh, – Tough at the point of the catch, going to box you out. Could be that red zone threat. Remember, the Colts lost Dante Moncrief, who Andrew Luck had an interesting red zone chemistry with, you know? Um, and so, and that still allows T.Y. Hilton to kind of be the T.Y. Hilton, the best version of himself. So we'll keep an eye out on the Dez situation. Interesting. Jack, that, Jacksonville's uh, another spot because you're yeah. not exactly you sure You think who's he wants to go play with there. Blake Bortles, though? You think he wants to go play with Blake Bortles? That team went to the AFC Championship <laughs> last year. That is true. That is true. Listen, we talk about how Dez is still out there. Someone else who I is, you know, I guess is still out there, but not really because he's quasi-retired and would only play with one team. I'm talking about tight end Antonio Gates, okay? Um, his agent, Tom Condon, though, yesterday said that um, – Antonio Gates and the Chargers are actively negotiating. You know, when I hear something like that, Scott, to me it means that's going to happen. You know, if anything, it's just Antonio Gates as a savvy veteran maybe wanted to avoid the two-a-days and the heat of the summer, you know, and, like, he can kind of sign maybe, like, midway through the preseason because he certainly knows the scheme. He certainly knows quarterback Phillip Rivers, you know what I mean? So he can come on back without the dog days of summer. Um, Two questions for you on this. One, Scott, like, 
if I put it at a 90% chance that it's going to happen, would you, how would you feel about that? And the second thing is, I know you and I and definitely our guy, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, have talked about Mike Williams as a potential sleeper. And part of that was we thought he was best positioned to soak up some of the third down or the red zone looks of Hunter Henry, who went down with an ACL injury. If Antonio Gates does come back with the Chargers for this season, do you think that's a bump? Oh, excuse me, do you think that's a bump or a knock to uh, Mike Williams? What do you think here? Not really. Uh, Antonio you know, really? Gates is very much at the, the end of his career. Right. I mean, we and thought it was the end. <laughs> we thought it was the end. But, you know, when, when you look at the production from last year, I mean, what, what does it really suggest? You know, he only scored three touchdowns. He only caught 30 passes. Uh, he's, he's, you know, it's, well, that was, it's Hunter re- Henry it's re- was there though, you know, yeah, maybe but now I'm saying Mike, Mike Williams is there now too. Okay. So, you know, to me, uh, Antonio Gates is not a primary target anymore. It's really not going to affect the outlook. And it, it, it's more of a, more of a desperation. I think, I think he might get more defensive respect because of his reputation and his actual production. You know, the right. guy is, you know, the guy, the guy is 38 years old. Uh, you know, 15 seasons already. He's at he's at the end of the line. It's 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 a desperation, it's a desperation move for them to get Gates. You know, maybe the if you're going to say 90, percent I'm going to take the under because I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe trade for a tight end. Interesting. Okay, so you think it's less than ninety percent that they do sign him? Yeah. You know, I was listening. To I'd say a, it's uh, about seventy percent. Yeah, but it's you say it's yeah. right. I was going to be like, but it's greater than fifty, right? You know what yeah. I mean? So like you, if uh, you but know, then again, I'm not. I'm not in the front office, you know. And, fair enough. But like I know, said, when when the, the agent line. himself, when the agent himself is saying like, yeah, we're actively negotiating, I think that's uh, you know kind of interesting. And yes, yeah, Agent, so, agents kind of p- paint things, you know, the way they want to. Fair, but you know yeah. you do believe it is a uh, more likely than not, given the uh, kind of the seventy yes. percent that you put at it. You know, interesting that you mentioned maybe a trade. I was listening to another show. I forget. Uh, maybe it was on our network. Maybe it was elsewhere. But uh, you know, someone actually mentioned. Uh, that idea also the Chargers make trying to trade because you know their roster is pretty you know loaded at all these positions right and they may be ready to go try to make a move for it and remember the Philip Rivers window is not you know going to stay open forever talk what do you think about this one Scott as a trade target for this for the Chargers there's a tight end on a team that you know we all we both think is not really going to do anything and is an interesting kind of pass catching tight end that kind of goes under the radar what a about the Chargers talking to the Buffalo Bills about Charles Clay, Scott? Can't happen. It's Why is that? Because they're so devoid of receiving targets in Buffalo as yeah, it Charles is. Charles Clay is also like going to be a free agent next year, and if the Bills know they're not going anywhere, why not get something for them instead of getting nothing for them in the offseason? Because they got two unproven quarterbacks, and they need they need a, one of their, they need to keep one of their proven targets to move the chains. So, uh, yeah, not not get rid of them. Yeah. Unless they unless they get some sort of like you know really good wide receiver back, but I can't see it happening. The Bills they're not are not even, they're not contending. The, so why the not Bills get a draft not, pick out of it? The, the Bills are not in a position right now to deal any pass catchers, especially if a rookie quarterback is going to start. You want to have them have a dependable veteran tight end to help them move the chains. I can't see it at all. All right, fair enough. If you say so, I mean, like, we talk about teams all the time, though, that know they're not contenders and want to, you know, whatever version of tanking we talk about to try and go ahead and get assets for the future. I don't, I don't think that's the team. I don't, I don't, not, not, not from, (laughs) 
not from that positional perspective, I don't think. All right, fair enough. We shall see. Um, last piece of news I want to say uh, that I want to bounce off you, Scott. This surprised me, okay? I heard Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, down there in Carolina saying, and, and this could just be coach speak at this part of the season, and to be quite honest, I think it is. He's saying he wants to get Christian McCaffrey 25 to 30 touches a game. I think that's preposterous, Scott. We talk about these guys like Alvin Kamara, Chris Thompson, Christian McCaffrey, and others. You know, we talk about like maybe even a Kenyon Drake in that category, how teams really want to maintain them at the kind of 15 touch level to risk injury, not burn out the explosiveness, that sort of thing. Rivera saying he wants McCaffrey to get 25 to 30 touches a game. He averaged 12 touches a game last year, that would be more than doubling his load. I think it's crazy. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think they're overestimating that. They want to get him work, but they're, they're overestimating it. Yeah, what do you think is more reasonable? What do you think is more reasonable? Because to be quite honest, maybe does this signal maybe he doesn't get to 25 touches a game, but maybe it does mean they use him a slightly yeah, like more? You know, 15-plus touches a game. By the way, okay. I, I have, uh, not to change gears backward, but, uh, you know, I have two good trade partners for, for, the, for the Chargers. Okay. What are they? Tampa Bay. Uh, they could trade Cameron Brait because, OJ, you know, they're not going to contend this year, and O.J. Howard needs to take a step forward and claim that all for himself. Mm-hmm. And Seattle, which has which, which signed Ed Dixon, they really like rookie Will Disley, and they also have Nick Vanette, who they drafted two, two years ago, and they, they like him too. So they, got, they have three tight ends on their roster. I think you know maybe getting Nick Vanette might be a nice pickup, under-the-radar pickup for them. Do you think Nick Vanette is really what they want, though? Like, do you think the Chargers really yeah. believe that he's a guy who can move the needle, Scott? Or is this a little bit of a – I don't think it's, it's Seahawks bias at all. Uh, it, it's, he's not going to move the needle, but you need somebody – to take the place of Henry for a year, and the guy is a decent pass catcher and a good blocker who may play better if he gets more expanded playing time. Uh, fair enough. We shall see what he the could produce would better expect. than Antonio Gates would. That's possible, you know, but at the same time, you and I both think there is a greater than 50% chance that they do, in fact, go ahead and sign Antonio gates all right we are off and running here on roto experts in the morning where we put the fun and functional sports content don't forget if you want to join the show 844-843-6879 we also have you know that poll question up right now andrew luck and deshaun watson are leading the way in terms of the quarterback that you want to see most coming back from uh injury we have some other uh submissions for our contest as well, yeah. Scotty. Uh, we'll get to good those too, a little yeah. bit later on. It sounds like you like it. We'll get to that one a little bit later on. But, Scotty, yesterday we were talking um, about auction strategies, right? We were talking about those auction strategies. We talked about, um, you know, kind of how you may want to go with a little bit of a stars and scrubs approach if you think you can get that value later on because there's always in every auction later on being like, I can't believe this guy went for that cheap. And we also talked about another strategy of like maybe foregoing the very, very top tier but loading up on kind of that second tier where if you can wind up on your having a lot of guys on your team who are – you know, second and third and fourth round draft pick types. If you can get some of those at value, you're really building a solid overall team. Now, 
Scotty, you were a part of the fantasy football frenzy auction, you know, and so I want to look at your team in that auction while we have a couple of minutes before the break. You mentioned, I, and you know, we know here that on this team, you, uh, you know, you bid for Ricky Seals Jones. We talked about that, and it was like what the day before he got into that issue at the Scottsdale yep. W Hotel. So, all right, all that not, you know, all that notwithstanding, let's not worry about that. I'd like to look at your team a little bit and the kind of thinking you had. Uh, going into it. Um, so the first thing, Scotty, is I look at your running back. I look at your running back room. And what I'm intrigued by is like you go ahead and you get Saquon Barkley, right? And, and, and did Saquon go for like as much money, relatively speaking, as, you know, the Gurleys and the David Johnsons and the Zeke Elliott's? Or was there a gap? Because I could think, you know, when we have Saquon in our rankings, a lot of people is more like that Kamara Hunt level below those top four kind of guys, right? But I can imagine in an auction, Saquon being a guy that still gets bid up because of all the hype that surrounds him. Did you have to really spend a pretty penny on Saquon relative to, say, a Gurley or a Elliott? Yeah, I had to spend $56, which was just a yeah. few bucks, you know, mm-hmm. behind the uh, behind the, the top guys. Yeah. But, you know, with, with uh, most of them all, I wanted to spend just a few bucks less than right. uh like than, right. than the real top guys and when when they went off the board already and Barkley was still the only glaring guy who could be a potential mm-hmm. superstar and if you look at my first round guide right now on rotoexperts.com I have missed the sixth player overall you know I felt I needed that anchor so you know I really had to budget that sort of money for a player like that while trying to save a few bucks on the other side because he hasn't been proven yet absolutely talk to me about you doubled up in Tampa Scotty, and you go with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones, the rookie. Talk to me about why you decided to get both parts of, well, I guess that's a committee because Sims is involved as well as a pass catching back. But tell me why you wanted to get both parts of that, uh, you know, of that running game. I don't know. I feel like Sims could get phased out because okay. the Buccaneers feel like Ronald Jones could be a better, better pass catcher than advertised. To me, he's a big play guy with a, you know, hits the hole hard and has a ton of speed. Uh, you know, Peyton Barber might be the goal line back, but he, to me, he's the handcuff. Ronald Jones could actually be the most productive of yeah. all the rookie running backs outside of Barkley. And if you play in a performance league, he's got, he's got incredible speed. He could just take off and, you know, be gone from anywhere on the field. So I'm excited about it, but I wanted to get Barber as the handcuff. So I have that backfield blocked up. Yeah, I like that. Ronald Jones outside of Saquon Barkley could get the most rushing attempts and the most yards. Uh, This year, at least in his rookie year, I bet outside of Barkley, him or Darius Geis would be great bets for that. We're off and running, Scotty, on Roto Experts in the morning. When we come back, we'll dive in a little bit more to your team. And uh, I think we're going to have Mike Leone from DailyRoto.com. So we'll bring him into the conversation as well. Roto Experts in the morning. Come on right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy 
Sports Radio Network, where we put the fun and functional sports content. The All In Kid will be joining us next hour, but right now I got El Rey de Fantasia, Scott Angle, and I am merely the spitting statistician, the stable genius, and vocal minority. Scotty, what are we listening to? Little Black Sabbath. Nice. uh, Considered the fathers of heavy metal. You know, uh, really kicking it off in Birmingham, England, with uh, with Ozzy Osbourne and Tony Iommi. Tony Iommi, the guitarist for uh, for Black Sabbath, is credited with creating the primal sound of metal because uh, he had his fingertips cut off at, in, a, in an accident, and he actually had to put prosthetic fingertips on, and that so that let him like played, played the more, guitar, right? and he had to tune down a little bit, and that really created what people consider the essential metal sound. Oh, that's really interesting. And I'm reminded, I was, uh, I was in the studio yesterday uh, down there with the Crown Prince of Racing, in fact, uh, Scott. And, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Gabe Morency, you know, Game Time Decisions, they were on air. And uh, I didn't know, or I kind of knew, but I didn't remember, I guess, that Gabe Morency himself was a kind of shredder in a band, right? And they used, they, they surprised him by using one of his, like, guitar solos at a live concert as the uh, music that came back from break, and boom, he nailed it right away, just hearing it being yeah. like, ah, oh, that's one of the greatest songs ever, you know, in his Gabe Morency way. So, uh, you know, have you ever seen uh, Gabe Morency in concert or heard any of his work? No, but, you know, maybe we can see a band with Danny Oker's Gabe Morency yeah. and Sean Angle because... You know, Sean actually used to play rhythm guitar and bass when he was in high school. And, of course, Danny Okers is the lead singer of Automatic uh, 253. Absolutely. And if they need a lyricist, they can always count on speeds to spit in statistician. Yeah, you can write the songs. There you go. You can write the songs. And these guys could be the We could have Danny on the lead vocals, Gabe Marnsey on lead guitar, Sean Engel on the bass because he also played the bass. We just need a drummer. All right, so we're on the hunt. Listen, if you yeah. are a drummer, hit us up on Twitter, at Spittin' Speeds, at ScottyRotoX. But at this point, we are happy to bring in our guy, Mike Leone, representing DailyRoto.com. They make millionaires over there. Uh, Mike, how you doing, man? We missed you last week on vacation. How you feeling? Summertime. I'm feeling pretty well. My boy, Francesca Molinari, took down the Open Championship yeah. while I was on vacation. So. That was good to see. Uh, you know, I was out west in Tacoma and Portland, Oregon, and hit up nice. a bunch of wineries. So I'd say I'm feeling refreshed, but I feel like I need a vacation for my vacation. We were jumping around so much. It was really busy. But Yeah, people uh, always say that. Back. You need the vacation from the vacation. I got some family out there in Portland also, right out there in uh, Lake Oswego, which is a suburb of Portland. So uh, maybe you saw some of my folks out there. Let me ask you this, uh, Leonie. As you know, obviously, the biggest trade that has gone down is Manny Machado moving over to the Dodgers. You know, midseason, listen, Machado is a beast, as we know, but he's moving over to a new league. He's got to adjust to all the pitching, stuff like that. How do the pricing algorithms treat something like that with Manny Machado? Is there any value there now for him? There's not too much value because what, what you're seeing is the pricing algorithm is basically treating the same as they did before. And... I think in this lineup out west where your, your ballparks aren't quite as friendly, you know, especially as home park compared to Baltimore, I don't think there's too much value to be had right away. I think you're treating him kind of like you did before. You know, you're just going day by day, matchup by matchup. I don't see anything, like, systemically that sticks out that you can say, oh, you know, he's underpriced due to this trade or he's overpriced. So um, I think you're treating him kind of like you were before, even though he's in a – 
Uh, obviously a better lineup overall, a much better team, but some of the ballpark effects mitigate that uh, to an extent. Look at it tonight's slate, and you can still register for DailyRoto.com Baseball. Uh, you know, get the optimizer, optimizer 2.0 beta, uh, lineup alerts in your inbox, especially important for weather. Uh, you know, of course, we're looking at Steven Strasburg tonight, but if I want to drop down, especially for that second pitcher, I got to think, although he's hit a few bumpy spots, I got to like Nick Kingham against the Mets. It is a very difficult slate for starting pitching because I do like Kingham against the Mets who have struggled against right-handed pitching this season. They also are fourth worst in weighted runs created plus over the last 30 days. The issue is on DraftKings and on FanDuel, really, they priced him appropriately. Uh, And on DraftKings, the price tag is up to $9,400. So he's actually the second most expensive starting pitcher on the entire slate. So, um, you know, that, that's what makes this slate so difficult is there's not really a whole ton of value out there. I do think in tournaments, a lot of people love to look at the Vegas odds when they're choosing their, their mid-tier starting pitcher. And Sonny Gray has these enormous Vegas odds that he carries such high ownership that Kingham, despite the higher price tag, might make sense in tournaments just because you're going to get him at so much lower ownership than Sonny Gray. But Gray does give you a $1,200 discount from Kingham. Hey, Mike, I've asked you this before, generally speaking. I'm going to try it again now that it's about a month later. And I'm asking you about young or rookie pitchers that are, you know, at this point coming up, starting to creep up against their innings limits, or maybe starting to hit the wall. I've seen, like, the last couple of starts from Indian Shane Bieber as an example. Like, what are some of these kids that maybe were flashes early in the season? Is it, are we getting to the time where maybe I'm starting to stay away from them because, you know, they're, they're starting to get tired, they're hitting their innings limit, and and or that teams are starting to maybe manage their innings so they won't go deep enough into games to be able to be really productive for you. What do you think about these young pitchers late in the season? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to be careful and try and, uh, I guess, read the tea leaves a bit to see how teams are going to manage these guys. And one of the cool things we have with our customizable projections on DailyRoto.com is the ability to tweak a pitcher's baseline batter's face and outs projection. So if you think someone like a Bieber, like a young guy like Kingham, who's pitching tonight, isn't going to go as deep as they have been, you can mess with that baseline and automatically get an updated projection that will take that into account. So that's really neat. I do think uh, it's a case-by-case basis. It's certainly not something where you're avoiding all young pitchers because of the time of year, but uh, you you know, one of the things that we're doing pretty diligently each time that we're doing a slate and doing the content for the slate, which is every day of the season, is we're digging into the pitcher baselines really in depth because these are the ones that change more often than the hitter baselines. And one of that is due to the longevity of the pitcher. And um, so really just digging into their past game log, see if we can see any trends. Is the velocity coming down? Are they getting tired? Uh, have they been consistently yanked a little bit earlier the last few starts just to try and be ahead of the curve in case something like that is going on so you don't make a mistake thinking a guy's going to go six innings when there's a chance that he gets a really quick hook. And uh, even if he doesn't get that quick hook, you know, maybe it's only five innings, the minimum, you know, necessary for that win. When you look at Carlos Santana, he got off to a terrible start, uh, you know, this year hitting 149 in April, but he's picked it up a, a little bit, uh, you know, over the last seven days. 
Uh, he even hit 281 in May, like to bring his average up a little bit. But then, uh, you know, so far not really good in July. But over the last week, uh, he's hitting 304. And you guys like him as as a play tonight against Tyler Maley of the uh, of the Cincinnati Reds. And with Santana, I think you can't. He would, especially when you're you're playing daily, and maybe even uh, of course, I think in seasonal play, people playing on base percentage in leagues know there's a big difference when he has a three fifty five OBP, and he's always been good. But uh, I don't think you can overlook Carlos Santana based on the batting average. And you guys like him as a play on DailyRoto.com in your uh, scouting report that's posted for today right now. Yeah, we do. He's a good one-off play for tournaments because someone like Matt Olson for Oakland, he's the guy you want to use in cash games, but he could come with such enormous ownership in tournaments that it's always good to try and find a one-off that's low-owned. And one of the difficult parts about this slate with the pitching not being that good is people are going to emphasize the offense, and the top offenses are all pretty obvious and pretty popular. So it's tough to to find a low-owned, high-upside guy who's you know not part of a popular stack or just isn't a core play at the position. And Santana is one of those guys. And Tyler Malley, who he's going up against, has been tattooed by left-handed batters. He's a lot of 410 weighted on-base average, 273 ISO to them since the start of last season. It's obviously a great ballpark uh, for offensive power out there in Cincinnati. So it makes sense. And as you said, you know, we don't really care too much that he's hitting 211. It obviously doesn't look good. Um, you know, it's a weird situation where the walk stuff isn't great for DFS because you don't get rewarded for a ton of points. But the power has been okay. He's at a 188 ISO. And most projection systems like Zips and Steamer are projecting a 210 plus ISO rest of the season. So we're expecting even more power for him uh, as we finish out here. We're talking with Mike Leone of DailyRoto.com. They make millionaires over there. They've done it before. I believe they will do it again. And I got to also remind you, don't forget here, okay, DailyRoto.com and their partnership with DKMS, all right? You can still, right now, go on over there and play some free DFS baseball and get a chance to win two tickets to the Fall Classic this year. And what you got to do to prepare for that is listen to a guy like Mike Leone, get the insights that they have over there on DailyRoto.com. Mike, I want to switch gears a little bit to football because, listen, everybody's getting really excited. Training camps are opening across the land. But here's what I want to ask you, Mike. I've I've remembered in years past, you know, I believe week one of the football season is kind of like Christmas morning to me, right? And I know that it kind of also is for daily fantasy players. I want to ask you about week one in DFS for a couple of reasons. One is that I think you get a lot of fish involved, right? It's a lot of people in week one that are like, oh, I want to try my hand at this. And there may be some dead money, kind of like how we've talked about the majors in golf. The other reason I really love week one is because these sites – come out with their pricing for week one way in advance. And you can get efficiencies when, you know, guys go down in the third week of the preseason or whatever and get the guy who's going to be this fill-in with their prices already established. Talk to me a little bit, Mike, about when, the when you know, the FanDuel and DraftKings, when they come out with their week one pricing, if I'm, you know, if I'm getting the read on it right, that there's a lot of, you know, an influx in players on week one, and if there's really values you can find because the price is coming 
come out early. For example, I'm thinking about a guy like Jordan Matthews maybe as a great play in New England in week one because people may not be on him. There is no Edelman. Someone's going to be in the slot for them, that sort of thing. Talk to me about week one of the NFL season as it relates to DFS. Yeah, I can't wait for week one. I, I've been digging into uh, making improvements to our projection system on DailyRoto.com, adding some stuff like four ceiling projections, uh, maybe some similarity score stuff. So I'm really excited, and you hit on a lot of the stuff that goes into what you're thinking about when you're playing week one. And as far as the pricing goes, DraftKings actually released their pricing yesterday for the week one main flight. So Ridiculous. that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, it, and I'm surprised because, uh, you know, it seems like the past couple of years they had gone from, you know, releasing pricing way early for promotional reasons to, okay, now that we're established, let's, let's release it closer to the season, get it a bit more efficient, and then just kind of out of nowhere, uh, there's this huge $3 tournament with the $200,000 grand prize to first place, but it's over, like, I think it's almost 800,000 entries. So it's a pretty wild tournament. But uh, some of the stuff you hit on, what's weird for cash games is there's, you know, one good aspect and one bad aspect to week one. The good aspect is, as you mentioned, you definitely do get a lot more people playing, which includes a lot more casual players week one. And I'm someone who's, uh, as the industry has evolved the last couple of years, and trending towards playing more tournament games because mm. of the overlap in cash games. But early in the season, I think if you want to play cash, it makes sense because of, the fact that you're getting all these casual players and it's right. one of those things where you can let, let other people make the mistakes. So the negative side for week one specifically is if the pricing, if an injury happens or something and someone's so mispriced and everyone Everyone's takes on that player, you know, that's where it gets tough in, in cash games. I do, but, um, but I think early on in the season in general, you know, the first month of the season is a really good time to play both cash games in terms of every time play NFL TFS in general, because I think cash games, you, you get the casuals, you let them make your mistakes. Tournaments, you could get ownership like too concentrated on a single player if one of those injury situations occurs where mm. the guy's the best play, but it, it, you still got to take into account variance and the game theory aspect of it. And the other thing, too, is we don't, it's a good time for people who feel like they've got to a good beat on how a team right. might operate for this season where we don't have all the data that we have uh, when we start getting in the midway point of the season. So you can go out on a right. limb a bit more week one and say, you know, I think this guy is going to, uh, you know, have 80 plus percent market share of the team's carries. Nobody else has seen this, but me. So it's a really fun time to kind of uh, impart your own thoughts on how you think teams are going to run and really reward from that because, you could be ahead of the curve much more than at any other point in the season. Hey, let me follow up on that real quick, Scotty. Um, let me ask you this. Because of all the indicators that you just said, and I agree with you, and boy, am I excited, right? Um, from a money management standpoint, would you recommend outlaying more than you normally would in week one because of all those factors from like a budgeting standpoint? Because I know people like bet the same units every time, you know, being consistent. Uh, might you change that up week one of the football season? Yeah, I think you can definitely change that up. And I think it's a mistake to just say, oh, I'm going to play the same amount of units every slate. And this is where, you know, I, I think I wrote an article on bankroll management a few years ago, and I, I might have said the exact opposite. But I really think the industry's changed, and you got to get your money in when the expected mm -hmm. value is highest. So 
there's no reason that I should be playing. You know, you look at baseball season, for example, uh, when you get into August and September when football is going on, it's the diehards right. that are playing. Right. You know, why should I be putting out the same amount of money? When it's just sharks against... in the pool. Exactly. So uh, you do want to be a bit more flexible. Now, that doesn't mean you want to play outside of the constraints of your bankroll and be mm-hmm. reckless, but it does mean that you want to get your money in when it's worth the most. So, is it kind of, uh, my, is it kind of like counting cards playing blackjack and the deck is running hot week one, but the baseball deck is running cold at the end of the season with all the, with all the sharks still there? Yeah, a little bit because obviously in blackjack, even if the count is good, uh, right. you can still easily lose a hand. Right. But the whole point is that your odd, your odds are better, so you want to bet more. That's the whole idea behind blackjack. So I think that's a really good example. Your odds are better early on, and it's the case for most sports, honestly, where your odds are better uh, early on in the season, just because you've got more players, you've got more of the casuals, and um, as a result, you know it's more likely somebody else is paying the rig that's not you, which is a good thing. How hard, how hard is it to really like scout for that first week? Because everything's everybody's basing things on last year. You really got to do your homework. And there's so much defensive changes. Uh, and you look at a team like 49ers, they've changed a lot. Well, they look good on paper. They're going to take time to gel. You know, I, I don't think I want like 49ers players in the first week or I'm not going to be hot mm. on Minnesota because, you know, I feel like they're less certain with like a new quarterback. Mm. Uh, you know, how tough is it in week one when you're basing a lot on last year? It, it definitely is a lot tougher from, you know, the point of view of someone like us at Daily Roto where we're very – you know, numbers oriented, but what we do is we really dig into the projections where we're not just doing it based on performance. You know, we're doing our homework to kind of divvy up, you know, who's going to get the market share of carries, you know, based on like the coaching history of the team. Um, like, like we've got Shanahan's tendencies out in San Francisco. We've got some data with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback to determine the overall yards per attempt for the team. And then we can divvy up the expected volume of the team. So you can still come up with a pretty darn sharp projection across the league, even though you do have that uncertainty. And sometimes the uncertainty is good to play off of. But, you know, DeMarco Murray a few years ago with Dallas is one of the examples I always look to when he just got off to that crazy start and they were just pounding the rock in the the offensive line was absolutely dominating early in the season. And he just had these crazy performances. And people were just really reluctant to play him because – they hadn't seen that out of the Dallas offense before. And the flip side was because they were controlling the running game so much, um, we kept picking on this Dallas defense that was horrible the year before. And it just wasn't working because they were controlling the clock. So there are times where I think you can jump on something like that early, even if you don't see it before week one, you know, week two, week three, where um, maybe a team has just completely changed. I think um, that stuff's harder uh, kind of from a matchup perspective to gather. Um, you know, it's kind of like the defensive adjustments, the DVP type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Mike, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. I got to tell you, I like how you always refer to it as casual players. Meanwhile, I'm talking about fish and sharks in the water uh, for week one. So (laughs) thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, uh, Mike. We'll talk to you again next week. And uh, go ahead and take a rest after that vacation. All right, man? All right, will do. Thanks, guys.
All right. Have a good one. I think it's really interesting, Scott, you know, the idea of week one. DraftKings prices for week one have already come out. That's very interesting. I think the savvy owner can really get a leg up there, whether it's the injury and suspension replacements, whatever, or like you had, like you saying, like if you are ahead of the curve in terms of reading the tea leaves of how teams want to play. I think it's really interesting opportunity for week one of the NFL season in DFS. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to handicap, but, uh, you know, if you, if you do your homework, you know, you study the rosters, et cetera, and you look forward more than back, you know, you're going to be ready to compete. Yeah, absolutely. And there, as always, you know, Mike Leone really does great work over there on DailyRoto.com. I told you they make millionaires. And don't forget about the partnership with DKMS. You still, if you are playing DFS baseball and want to compete with the Sharks that are still playing at this point of the season, you still can and maybe can win a two tickets to the 2018 Fall Classic. All right, Scotty, we got a couple of minutes left in this hour. And as you know, we are running a contest helping to get people free Exclusive Edge packages. And we are asking you guys uh, to hit us up on Twitter, at Spittin' Speeds, at ScottyRotoX. You can hit up the all-in kid as well to give us your submissions of your best fantasy football team names of all time. We got a couple of ideas here that I want to bounce off of you, Scotty. First of all, our guy Jake Seeley um, had some uh, submissions uh, that he shared yesterday uh, that you maybe didn't get a chance to hear, so I want to bounce them off of you. Two of them involve the Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott. Uh, which do you like better, Baby Got Dak or I'm bringing Sexy Dak? Hmm. Baby Got Dak is, is kind of cool. I'd put that at the end of my time. Okay, so you like right that better now. than the Justin Timberlake one? Uh, okay, so that isn't your top the other, five. I like that. The, the other one is... Uh, I'm, I'm bringing, bringing Sexy sec- Dak, like the Justin Timberlake yeah. song. I, I, li- I like that even better. I okay, so bringing put, Sexy Dak put, is ahead of Baby Dad Dak? That's third for me now. Well, that that's second for me, right, right. Right, right behind the Pat Mahomes one. Fair enough. I'll, you know, I'll make, make those changes. Helpful. We got a couple of others to bounce off of you. But with only a couple minutes left before we hit the break and before we, you leave us, Scott, we got a call out there. Chris in Cali uh, is on Roto Experts in the morning. He specifically wants to talk to you, Scott. So we got a couple minutes. Let's make that happen. Chris in Cali, bright and early in the morning. Good morning to you. You're on Roto Experts in the morning. What's up? Hey, hey Chris. Good morning. Hey. hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Dan. It's been a while, man. <laughs> Yeah, well, man. welcome back. Yeah, thanks, thanks. I just wanted to uh, share my team name with you guys just because I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys. I only got two okay. like that. So, uh, okay. it's nothing for this year, but but my best team name that I had was a uh, Dangerous Whiteout. Like you know when they when when Russell Wilson had his nickname Dangerous. Yeah, Dangerous. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, Dangerous. I like that. Whiteout. Well, dangerous. I like whiteout. that. I like that. I want. Like wide yeah, out, yeah, like God. dangerous. Oh, okay. Like wide receivers. Like wide receivers. <clears throat> you know, yeah. I also – that's awesome. Check this one out. I had a team name involving Russell Wilson once, and it was Every Day I'm Russellin'. What do you think about that one? <laughs> I like that too. I like that one. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to put dangerous wide out at the back, back of my top five right now. It makes, makes my top five. Okay. Yeah. Nice. We're going to put that one yeah. in the top five, so it is still eligible, and that is Dangerous Wideouts. We like that one for sure. Uh, hey, Chris, when we got you here, you got any questions for the king? Uh, maybe. 
guess not. not. No. He, 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 that's he all right. I guess not. Well, <laughs> absolutely. He all sure right, does. Chris. That's why he is the king and an FSWA Hall of Famer. Thanks for joining the fun here, Chris. We will definitely take your team name under consideration for sure. I think that was a good one, uh, Scott. You know, yeah. uh, dangerous oh, wideouts. I like that. Uh, yeah. Anytime, anytime, anytime. Dangerous wideouts. I will say this, though, Scotty. I like my version. Every day I'm rustling a little bit better. But, hey, I, I ain't going to. I do, I but gonna, you know, it doesn't qualify because do you're not one of the. Uh, I know. I am disqualified. I do like it better. I am but disqualified. There's, there's one we haven't mentioned yet that I think is my favorite. Yeah, there's a couple we haven't mentioned. There's yeah. a couple we haven't mentioned. I got two more to bounce off of you. Another one, first from the Jake submission, and then I'll, t- I'll go to the one that I think you're talking about. Um, I think Dante Moncrief is an interesting name to use as well. Uh, someone submitted to Jake yesterday, Pokemon Creef. What do you think about that? What's that again? Pokemon Creef. Like, you know, Pokemon? Uh, uh, maybe this is a, a generational nah, thing. I don't, All right. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. No, I know, I know what Pokemon is, but it just oh, okay. it, it, it doesn't connect just like well it. enough. It doesn't, it doesn't flow well enough for me. Fair enough. Once I had a team name involving uh, Dante Moncrief, but it was more Jamaican, Scott. It was Yaman. Yeah. Yaman Creef. Yeah. That, that, that would have shot to the Yaman Creef. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but another one, but I'm disqualified, but that's why I'm spitting statistician. One nominee that I think you do like, though, comes from Taylor Bryson. He says, my ingrown toenail hurts for Zach Ertz. What do you think? That's my new number one. That's your new number one. Okay, so we yeah. got my ingrown toenail hurts and then bring in sexy nice Jack. Job, Taylor. And then it, and then it looks yeah. like Henny Ala Vodka and then the dangerous wideouts. So we'll, we'll reorganize those. Yeah. Uh, any more submissions, feel free to hit us up. Scotty, oh, or speed. Uh, Scotty, fourth. I'll see you later on today. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll try to move those around. I'll see you later on today as we send off Mike Florio, Roto Experts in the morning. Come on right back after the break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Spitting statistician and the all-in kid getting you ready for fantasy football on a Thursday. Jake, how you feeling, man? The all-in kid, the number one accuracy ranker in the game. If you want to win your leagues and win that cash, I suggest you get the Roto Experts exclusive edge 
fantasy football package, I suggest you enter the promo code ALLINKID at checkout because then you will be privy to the best rankings in the industry. My guy, Jake Seeley, how you doing this morning, man? I'm doing good. How's it going? I'm glad to hear that you are doing good. I got some headlines, or at least that I think are interesting notes to bounce off you. Scott has some interesting takes on some of these as well, so I want to hear what you have to say about this. Uh, Jake, I want to start again in Cleveland. Listen, this Josh Gordon thing is starting to, you know, I mean, I guess the flag was always raised already, but now I'm starting to like waving in the air a little bit more. The Cleveland Browns GM, uh, John Dorsey, yesterday said, listen, he agreed like, he expects Gordon to play this year. I didn't even know like that was part of the conversation, right? But and this brief respite, though, he's saying could be three days, could be a week, could be a month. Like that sounds crazy to me, Jake. I understand that even a month would not threaten the regular season. But I ask again, like, what happens if he needs another brief respite in the middle of the season? This is kind of a very big flag to me, Jake. And also because in the same interview, Dorsey says yes, the Browns have in fact considered reaching out and trying to sign Des Bryant. If they're already talking about who other options could be, to me it sends a strong flare up in the air about Josh Gordon. What do you take away from this? Uh, not much more than we took away from the other days. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. We, we know it's a big risk. We know if you're drafting Josh Gordon, uh, I said that the other day, there's no way you're taking him yeah. inside the first six rounds because – we don't know what it is. The league still hasn't said what they're talking about. There's no way to know. He's going to play half the season, full season, miss part of it during it. As you're pointing out, there's just no way to put a handle on it. So I don't know how you can draft him with confidence. All right, let's talk about the other side of this. Dez is kind of like, you know, the last potential name that can move the needle, that could potentially impact your rankings, Jake, that is kind of still out there. Uh do you think Dez would want to go to a team like Cleveland? I personally don't. I think he's holding out for a situation where maybe someone gets hurt that he can actually maybe be with a contender. Um, do you think Dez would be a good fit? Or, for example, I, I've been nominating the Indianapolis Colts as an idea because I think he you know, uh, plays a different kind of role as T.Y. Hilton. The number two wide out right there right now is like Chester Rogers. Handicapped the Dez Bryant sweepstakes for me a little bit, Jake. Do you think Cleveland you, – you think Dez would have any interest in Cleveland? Read the tea leaves. What do you think he like where could he wind up well he's gonna have to go somewhere and he doesn't have a lot of options if Cleveland is one right. of the ones and nobody else is offering him a contract I don't care if he wants to go to contender or not I know he wants to play football in 2018 <laughs> that that's what I do know so I think it's gonna come down to this might be where we see Des Bryant finally play because Des Bryant wants a job Des Bryant wants a team you can't exactly pick and choose where you want to play if you know there's like I don't know, like, what, three options on the table, and only one of them seems to be interested enough in the contract at this point? I mean, honestly, like, name the team. Like, even if we could just say how many teams could use Des Bryant, like, like three or four maybe at this point even right. have a spot for him. Yeah, no, I agree. That's why I submit Indianapolis. Uh, maybe Buffalo has a dearth of talent out there. But even, you know, other teams that have been rumored before, Scott last hour mentioned teams like San Francisco or Green Bay. Like, San Francisco has two good wide receivers, right, already, you know? Green Bay, I don't know where he fits exactly. So it is interesting. And Dez is going to have to do something that he has rarely done, and that's kind of look in the mirror and humble himself and understand what he actually is at this point in time. Jake, I mentioned how Dez is like kind of the biggest guy that's still out there. There is another name out there, 
But then again, he's not really out there because we thought he was actually retired. And if he does come back, he's only going to be for one team. But Tom Condon, the agent for Antonio Gates, said yesterday that the Chargers and Gates are actively negotiating. To me, this means, Jake, this is going to happen. I put it at like 85 90%. Two-part question for you on this one. Do you agree with that kind of percentage? Do you think this is going to happen? And if so, uh, does this hurt our guy Mike Williams at all and his potential to get those red zone looks uh, that we were expecting him to kind of take a step forward? What do you think? Uh, how does the story end in Los Angeles with the Clippers and what I – mean, not the Clippers. I see LAC all the time, and I think Clippers uh, with the Chargers. And uh, does it have any impact on a guy like Mike Williams, who you and I were early to the party on? No, because my, I was on Mike Williams whether or not Hunter Henry got hurt. He was the number two wide receiver okay. there. That was, that was the whole appeal of Mike Williams. It wasn't that it had anything to do with Hunter Henry. It had to do with the fact that he was going to push Tyrell Williams to number three, and Travis Benjamin gets booted to number four. He's, he's the second most talented wide receiver, arguably the most talented in the red zone on this team, even ahead of Keenan Allen, as good as Keenan Allen is. So this is I have not movie Mike Williams at all if Antonio Gates signs. The only thing this does is actually provides a relevant tight end for this team because right now mm-hmm. there's really nothing relevant about either tight end. And we could argue similar to the Cowboys situation and say, hey, you know what? Maybe somebody breaks through. Maybe it's Virgil Green, who we've seen from years before. Maybe it's Braden Bowman. But the point is, it's similar to trying to predict Dallas and say, oh, is it going to be Derwin, Blake, Blake, Blake Jerwin or Jarwin? Is it going to be, you know, Jess Swaim? Like, it's, you don't want it. You don't want those guys in fantasy. So that's just the thing. Is Antonio gets signs? Is he tight end one? No, but he'll be into that right. conversation with like Jarek Cook and. You know, Austin Safarian Jenkins and George Kittles, and he'll be in that conversation. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think he moves the needle either necessarily because of what he is. My only fear is that he eats into the potential production of other people in the Chargers. But we'll see. I mean, do you agree, though? Like I said, I put it at, like, say, 85, 90 percent that it's going to happen. Like, do you agree? Like, do you think it's greater than 50 percent up to 90? Like, where do you think? Is this going to happen, Jake, in your opinion? Probably, but I don't know where Antonio okay. Gates' mindset is. I mean, we saw what happened with right. Greg Olson, who's like ready to go into the booth. We don't know how right. much he wants. To, he he might be enjoying not getting destroyed every single yeah. week. So I hear football's a violent game. <laughs> You know, Um, all right. Fair enough. Here's another thing I want to bounce off you. Listen, I go to the Houston Texans, Jake. And listen, uh, Jadavion Clowney avoids the pup list. J.J. Watt avoids the pup list. Deshaun Watson avoids the pup list. And so that's where I want to get to because we got a poll question up, Jake. We also heard at the top of the, the, you know, kind of the news read at the top of the hour, right, that uh, Carson Wentz may uh, get some reps. We're hearing that Andrew Luck avoided the pup list. We see that Deshaun Watson avoided the pup list. Jake, we got a poll question up saying, which injured quarterback are you most excited to see return to action in training camp or the preseason? Options are Wentz, Luck, Watson, and Rodgers. Who are you most interested to see, Jake? Mm, I don't really have that much interest. Those are the choices? I mean, they're all Yeah, those are the guys. I know, but these are all coming back from injury, right? And obviously, when you come back from injury, there's things to look for. So given that, who are you most intrigued to see out of those guys? I I really – I don't really have one. It's – that there's nothing. Okay. They're all exciting to come back. I'm sorry. I don't know. I wouldn't have a pick in the poll. I just, I don't know. Cause so all of them? You'd be like, I'm interested to... in all of them? 
Yeah, I don't think I don't really think there's like one where it's like it's I for fantasy purposes I don't have a rooting interest in any of them unless I own them. So I, you know I want to see all of them come back. That's that's a tough decision. I guess it's, I really, it's more like to said, see. I, have... I guess it's more Jake like intrigued to see like how well they've come back. Also, like you know, think about it. Watson, Wentz, Luck all have some rushing things as well. And well, Watson then if that's the case, then and have. If you put it, okay, if you put it that way, then obviously it's Andrew Luck because we haven't seen him in oh, okay. almost two years now. So okay. obviously that like, yeah. that's the biggest one because Watson we know is just you know he's had this before. He looks fine. He can run. He's had, he tore his other ACL, so now he's got both knees. Uh, Wentz we've already seen moving around, and we just want to make sure he's okay. So I guess if you put it that way, I would say Andrew Luck because we still have it. At least with the other two, we have an idea of what they are recently. It, luck like I said we haven't seen in almost two years right so like we need to see that more right like I'm more excited to see him to see like hey is this well, guy also, is he, viable again is yeah is he even compared to what he used to be like, I mean maybe right. Andrew luck that's that's kind of what I the mean same again. yeah exactly and I mean to be honest listen you know you say Watson right but like I'm kind of interested to see if he still has his explosiveness at the quarterback position. You know, that, yes, he looks okay, right? But I would like to see, like, if he's still, you know, uh, going to run as much, things of that nature. So I do think there's interesting yeah, things to find. I'm not that. worried. You're not about worried that. about it. You feel comfortable with that. As we go, sticking on Houston, though, Jake, you know, a guy who did not avoid the pup list is running back Deontay Foreman. And uh, you know I am very high on Foreman. I think you liked him a little bit last year as well. I'm going to tell you something. I like that he might be on the pup list. To me, that increases the value for him because that's going to push him down a little bit in drafts. And, you know, if I'm a team that's – I think I'm going to be good. I think I'm going to be contending. I might be more likely to take some of these kinds of guys uh, at the end of my draft, whether it's guys that have been suspended, you know, that are going to come back, whether it's guys that I think are going to come back from injury and then kind of grow in opportunity over the course of time. Because, Jake, if I think I've got a good team, I'm looking at building the best lineups for week like 14 and 15. And I truly fundamentally believe that by that time, I think Deontay Foreman is going to be the lead back in Houston. Uh, uh, what do you think about Dante Foreman? And then also generally, do you agree that it could represent value to go ahead and target some of these kinds of guys who won't be there for week one, but will have an, a big role uh, by the time the fantasy playoffs roll around, say like a Julian Edelman, in fact? What do you think about Foreman and then this conceptually, Jake? Well, uh, Foreman, I, I don't really have much of an interest. I said the same thing this entire time. You know that is people are acting like he was going to be ready for week one and drafting him, and he's not. It's just a very simple answer here was keep drafting Lamar Miller in the fifth round, and eventually he's going to start mm. moving up like he should have. Uh, the, the, when it comes to your plan, is look, you got to make the playoffs. Uh, you can plan for it all you want. I'm not going to waste roster spots. I mean, if you want to take mm. him in the 14th round and stash him on your IR. If you have an IR, first of all, you need to have an IR. If you don't, then there's no point in drafting him because I'm not stashing somebody on my bench for half the season when you have to make pickups and not to mention somebody that needs to help your roster. Uh, the second part is, like I said, you've got to make the playoffs. So the f- people are still taking Foreman in the eighth and ninth round right now because they still think somehow he's magically going to be ready for week one despite the fact that the team doesn't think so. So uh, I'm with the fact of if you want Foreman, that's fine. It better be at the end of the draft, and it better be if you have an IR spot. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, you know, think about Lamar Miller rising up boards and, you know, kind of checking my kind of uh, optimism and expectations. It's true. You got to make it in order to uh, be good. How do you – do you – 
apply the same theory, Jake, to say like dynasty leagues. Are you someone, Jake, who tends to like in dynasty leagues go ahead and build for the future and kind of maintain? Or are you a guy who stays focused more on the near term? Because as you mentioned, you know, you got to get there first or, or like the idea that flags fly forever. And generally in dynasty leagues, how much do you balance the long term versus like the current season? It's I don't do I keep ask, answering this question on Twitter. It's, there's no blanket answer. Yeah. I hate when people not. Oh, okay. I'm not saying it to you. Just it's like, no, I got you. like it's not it's not with the blanket answers. People like it's just not every situation is different. Like people are like, should I go running back, running back in the first two rounds? It depends on right. what's on the Who board. Knows? It depends like, on what's there. I could tell, right. Like I could tell you yes, and then you know uh, there's 15 running backs that are the first 18 picks, and you're an idiot if you take a running back at the right. 19th pick. Like, and then go DeAndre know, Hopkins, my friends. <laughs> right. Like I, I have the rankings on the site for a reason for you, and I'm not saying like oh I want to be lazy and like check the link, but. People want blanket answers, and you can't give blanket answers. Same thing in Dynasty. I've been getting a lot of Dynasty questions asking this. It's like, all right, I'm doing my first ever Dynasty. And I'm not saying people are stupid to ask a question because they don't know. It's the first time ever playing Dynasty for some of these sure. people. But just understand that there's no blanket answer for these situations. It's like, should I go young? Should I go? No, I, you, can't buy, you can't do it for your whole team. You can't even go by pick by pick. I'll say one thing for Dynasty is – most owners make the mistake of going too young. Most owners make the mistake of, mm. oh, he's in the second year. I've got this guy for the next eight, especially at running back right. situations. Understand, running backs have about a five-year span at best. At best, usually it's like three. Uh, wide receivers right. have a longer tail, but at the same time, don't go drafting a second-year wide receiver like Mike Williams as much as I love him over somebody like Doug Baldwin who's been around for a while because, oh, Mike Williams I could potentially have for 10 years. No, at some point you're way over-inflating the, the, the youth for the – you still want to win every single season. You're not trying to build a team for 2021 for that one season. Right. You, you still want to win this year. So to your question, like I said, there's no blanket answer. Now, you know, if something happens and you're 1-7 – and you want to start making trades for that? That's different. But for mm. the draft, on the jump off, you have to balance the draft. Absolutely. And when you're talking dynasty leagues, I, I like that. And in the trading deadline, you really start to see buyers and sellers, you know, similar to, uh, you know, similar to real life. Last piece of news that I want to bounce off of you, Jake, I'm going to tell you right now. I think this is absolutely crazy, and I have a feeling you might as well. Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera down there in Carolina said, get this, Jake. He wants to give Christian McCaffrey 25 to 30 touches a game. This is after last year in his rookie year, Christian McCaffrey averaged just over 12 touches a game. And, Jake, you and I have talked about this a lot as it relates to guys like Alvin Kamara or Chris Thompson. We mentioned Christian McCaffrey as well. I thought teams kind of want to maintain them at around the 15 maybe 18 touches a game because they don't want to expose them to injury they want to maintain their explosiveness what do you think when you hear Rivera saying he wants to get this guy 25 30 touches a game and turn him into like Jamal Anderson the workhorse that he was back in Atlanta I think this is absolutely crazy and I don't I don't believe a word he's saying on this one Jake what do you think no Ron Rivera's full of you know what there's, there's right. nothing else to it it's this this and it's the same guy who said he wanted to give C.J. Spiller the ball until he puked. What happened? Did right. he get the ball? Did and he get the ball Cam even wasn't 20 times? <laughs> All right. So right, exactly. It, this is just stupid. I don't even know what the point of this was. I don't know if he was trying to say snaps. And maybe that, that would be a more reasonable maybe. number. Or maybe. 
I mean, even touches is too aggressive. You can't even say touches. So I, I, or it's, I don't know. I don't know what he yeah, was I trying mean, to say. So let me ask you this, though, Jake. Um, do you think, though, uh, that maybe CMC could be in line for an increase in touches? I don't want to go all the way to a yeah, specific could, level. But do you to... think he could trend more? Yeah. He could go to 16 or 17 a game. I mean, that's a significant. It's almost a 50% jump over last year. 50% <laughs> jump would be 18 a game. So, I mean, Which 50, would be you know, huge 16 and 17. Yeah. 16 and 17 could be great. And that's, you know, looking at that. But at 16 and 17 is probably where he needs to settle in. Yeah, absolutely. If he does, in fact, get that kind of increase, like well, we, like you just said, uh, 18 would be like a 50% increase. And if that does, in fact, happen, Jake, in PPR formats, I can see CMC being a back-end running back one. All right. Um, are there any uh, – Jake, are there any kind of news and notes that move the needle for you? I mean, like, yeah, that maybe Julio is going to adjust and they're going to try and find the landing space for him to come back or any of the other uh, pieces of news that – you heard yesterday that really moved the needle for you, or are you comfortable moving to our team-by-team preview? And today, we're in the AFCs talking Buffalo Bills. You want to talk Bills, or are there other uh, pieces of news from training camp that uh, you want to uh, get out to the people? Uh, no, I'm fine, fine with the Bills. Okay, let's do it then. Let's go over to the Buffalo Bills. Listen, uh, it is going to be hard for us, Jake, to find some value here, to find some people that we want to talk about. Um... Let's start with Shady McCoy. When we talk about the risk-reward of Josh Gordon, I guess it's a little bit different than Shady McCoy. I know that you have not necessarily moved McCoy in your rankings. That story has obviously evolved in a, um, you know, in a way that kind of makes it look like Shady will be uh, eligible, potentially, let's say, in the NFL. But we know the NFL is very inconsistent with their discipline. So while we do keep an eye out on that, Jake, I got to tell you, though, even before this, right, LaShawn McCoy was on the wrong side of 30. Even before this, if I'm a Buffalo Bills, uh, excuse me, if I'm a defensive coordinator facing the Buffalo Bills, I'm putting 53 men in the box, and I'm trying to say, you know, A.J. McCarron, Josh Allen, Nate Peterman, yeah, you guys go ahead and beat me with the incredible combos of Zay Jones and Kelvin Benjamin. So I'm stacking the box against McCoy anyway. Um, Before this incident, I think there were a lot of reasons to kind of uh, doubt McCoy, Personally, I'm not going to have shares of him on my squads even before this news. Um, what do you think about McCoy even outside of this uh, you know, domestic violence potential issue? I thought there were a lot of bad indicators anyway. What do you think about McCoy, Jake? I'm happy to have McCoy. I think people are hating him too yeah. much, and people are playing the simplistic game that they think they can, oh, they stack the box, nine people in the box. And First of all, stack box really happen where you get even eight in the box, so let's just throw that out the window because it doesn't happen as often people think even it Even with is. a rookie quarterback, second, like enforcing them? It doesn't yeah, happen. It doesn't happen. Right. It doesn't happen. Go look at the numbers. Eight men in the box rarely happens outside of goal line. It doesn't happen okay. that often. This isn't Madden. You're not playing a video game and playing against your buddy who you know wants to run the ball and can't run the ball. Like, it doesn't happen. It's not out there in a formation that often. So he will have a stacked box if you say an extra defender, maybe two. And the fact is, still, it's still LaShawn McCoy with a decent offensive line. Obviously, the loss of Cordy Glenn doesn't help, but it's still a decent offensive line. It's not the Texans. It's not the Bengals. It's not the worst in the world. And we've seen backfields and running backs that LaShawn McCoy is one of the best running backs in the past 10 years. He can handle a, you know, a stacked box. He can handle you know, being the person who's the only talent on the team, but he's not the only talent on the team. 
Quarterbacks are abysmal. It's probably the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. That all being said, they're still going to provide some numbers. They're not going to never throw for yardage. You know, right. this, this quarterback system maybe okay let's say they only average 200 yards a game 3200 yards in the season that's not you know it's not miserable to keep defenses somewhat in check with kelvin benjamin out there who is going to just absorb 140 targets likely from this team charles clay is still on the team you look at zay jones whatever his situation is if he's healthy is going to be on the team they still have enough weapons i mean we're not talking about them facing you know some division two college football team these are still competent players that are still among the best that ever came out of college. It's the whole fact of like, Alabama could beat this team. Alabama has like four right. or five people in the draft. They that don't have the NFL, right. 22 <laughs> stars, 22 starters, and then another 30 after that are on a roster in the NFL. So, you know, people always want to say these things and talk about how abysmal teams are going to be. And it's just, it's kind of more of this, this outside overarching, just it's mindset where this is just not how it works. It's still a professional team. Sure. They could go 0 16. Well, guess what? The 0 16 lions, the Bengals, or not the Bengals, the Browns, right. they still provided fantasy numbers. So you could still be miserable and still provide fantasy value. And LaShawn McCoy is still talent wise, a top 10 running back in the NFL. I will take LaShawn McCoy as my RB two. All right, fair enough. There you have it. And I, I agree with you, Jake. That, you know, it's always funny to talk about, like, you know, Alabama could beat the Browns. And they do it in all sports, right? Like, could the, uh, the Kentucky Wildcats that year, could they have beaten, like, the Philadelphia 76ers when they were tanking, that sort of stuff? I mean, unless you were the 2002 Miami Hurricanes, which literally had something like 17 guys in the pros and, like, eight turn out to be pro bowlers, you never actually know about that. Hey, Jake, though, you did mention that even... Even if they go 1-15, and, and you and I both think that uh, it's a heavy bet on the under if you go on over to mybookie.ag where their season win total still stands at 6. We, I think, both have said that we like the under on that one. But, you know, there will still be some production. So I think about the idea of garbage time. I think about the concept of garbage time, Jake. And I know that in the um, – Oh, which draft was it? Uh, maybe it was Scotty Fishbowl. You took Zay Jones pretty late. Um, talk to me conceptually, and maybe there's not a blanket answer. So if that's the case, let me know about that as well. When we talk about garbage time, though, I kind of look at the receivers that are not the archetype of, say, Kelvin Benjamin and that are more the archetype of Zay Jones in terms of uh, – the ability after the catch and kind of in space, that sort of thing. Which wide receiver do you think like kind of benefits the most for this potential garbage time in Buffalo? Is it a guy like Benjamin or is it a guy like Zay Jones? How do you think this shakes out, given the fact that we both believe they're probably going to be down in games? Well, I mean, it's, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, like I just said, he's probably looking at 140 targets this year. He's going to benefit from anything. Yeah. I'm not trying to tar- I'm not trying to target garbage time. That's this uh, mm. fool's Aaron, honestly. It could be anybody. Okay. Um, so because it could be anybody, let's talk about Charles Clay real quick, okay? This guy is a, a tight end that kind of toils under the radar. There are times when he pops his head up and returns kind of that back-end tight end value, you know, in that tier where a lot of people are. But he is also an injury risk. Um He's also going to be, a, I believe, Jake, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season as well. So I have two questions for you. One is what do you think about generally Charles Clay in the tight end realm? Is he someone that you kind of like that kind of goes under the radar? But also uh, we talked about, you know, Antonio Gates before and stuff like that. Scott mentioned that he thinks that the, that um, 
the Chargers could be in the market to trade for a tight end. Mentioned maybe a guy like Cameron Brait. I put forth, what about a guy like Charles Clay? I mean, the Bills don't need him necessarily. They're not going to be, you know, a contender this year. He's going to be a free agent in the offseason. They may lose him for nothing. Could it be uh, viable to try to exchange him for something, maybe with the Chargers or another team? No, this isn't basketball. This isn't football or baseball. This, these, that doesn't happen. They need who are they going to throw out there at tight end after him? They're not going to just like throw it away because oh, we know we're not. Nick O'Leary, Jack Nicholas's Jack Nicholas's grandson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big big whoop. But I mean, Nick it doesn't O'Leary's matter. They're not going to win games anyway, Jake. It, but it doesn't happen in the NFL. The trades don't work like that in the NFL. You know that. You see it every single year. Yeah. This isn't baseball. This isn't basketball. They're not looking to the future if we can't re-sign this guy. That, just, that doesn't happen in the NFL. All right. So what do you think about Charles Clay? Is he someone that you might recommend having some shares of uh, up there in Buffalo? Not in a regular seasonal league, no, because he's going to miss three or four games like he does every single year. <laughs> yeah, he does have the knee, the knee issues uh, that we have seen. They he's have always on the waiver wire. He's always prov- he's always providing fringe tight end one value when he plays games. Maybe and for he's a bye week, there. He's, if you you go pick him up and go drop him after your bye week, yeah, that's basically it. There's no way I'm not drafting. No, and I'll draft him in a best ball. Okay. Not in this, there's no way I'm not drafting him seasonal. Right, but he could be one of those guys that fit that bill for a bi-week fill-in. Let's say, uh, you know, you can get him for one or two weeks, plug him in, you know, not take a zero and be, you know, comfortable. He, he'll, he'll, get, he'll provide you a little bit of a representative uh, value there, like kind of value uh, replacement player, shall we say. Last thing I want to talk about on this, Jake, I put it out there before, over on mybookie.ag. Season win total is six. Uh, we think that's a strong under. Do you agree? Because I know you think three of the teams in the division will be picking in the top six in the NFL draft. So with that, uh, you know, kind of assumption and precursor, you got to think under for the Buffalo Bills, yeah? No, yeah, for sure. I'd okay, say for sure. four is probably the wins, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this could unravel. And I mean, to be honest... If, and we don't know, I know, but if McCoy misses time, and we've both said, Jake, this is kind of a binomial thing, right? Either he's completely fine, or if any of this is really true and proven, he can miss a ton of time. Now, I'm not saying that's not necessarily the case, but if that happens, the Bills can go 2-14, and 14, Jake. You, you know what I mean? With, and, and this could be Josh Allen taking lumps really, really early on if that's the way they want to go. I think it could go off the rails real quick. We shall see. But So both Jake Seeley and the spitting statistician say go on over right now to mybookie.ag and feel free to lay a couple of shekels on the Buffalo Bills under. Remember, when you go on over to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY and you can get a 50% deposit bonus. All right, Jake, uh, when we come back, we got a lot of things to do. We're going to put the fun in functional sports content. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. We've got a couple of team name submissions to have fun with. I like the ones you said yesterday. Scott likes a couple of them too we got some big time contenders though this morning we want to bounce off of you and also listen i'm in the fantasy pit of misery sometimes down there on the fourth floor and i'm hearing some things about you jake that i want to find out about we'll talk about all that when we come back it's the all-in kid jake seeley and the spitting statistician dane martinez here on roto experts in the morning on the award-winning fantasy sports radio network come on right back Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. 
just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Y'all don't want to mess with us. CNN out for that paper. Hey, yo, Jake. Remember when we talked about, like, the best, like, hip-hop groups of all time? We talked about, like, Wu-Tang, Tribe, Outkast, you know, Run DMC, people like that. What do you think about, like, loose affiliation and groups? Because this is CNN, Capone and Noriega, you know, like, no, they're not a group like Mob Deep. But remember there was a big time, maybe in the mid-90s, where there was, like, the Flip Mode Squad, the Firm, Terror Squad, these kind of, like, loose affiliations of folks. What do you think about that? Should they count uh, as groups? I think, eh, it depends on which ones. I could, like you were going to say, Capone and Noriega. It's like, honestly, most people didn't even right. know who the Capone CNN, was yeah. until, until, until Noriega blew up. I mean, nobody really yeah, knew. Yeah, what, what, were, what, 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 yeah, They didn't know they were even a thing. <laughs> and then right. it was, Capone was in jail anyway, and then they came back and <laughs> did their thing. And so, I mean, yeah. I mean, some groups, I think it kind of just, it's it's basically, I would say it depends if you consider them a group of people know more at, for the group or people know more for the individuals. So like, so Capone like Noriega, like I would say. the individuals, mm, right. Yeah, no, I just yeah. mean like the most identifiable person is an individual. So back right. in the day, it, like it actually changed. I'll give you for example. I, so back in the day, the locks were a group. It was the locks. You sure. knew the locks. But then Jada Kiss and then you know Jada Kiss. now nobody... Nobody knows the other two anymore. Nobody knows uh, oh, Styles. Sheik Luch, baby. I Styles, Sheik Luch. Let's see. I can't. I can't even remember Sheik's name. So that's, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing. It's like nobody even remembers. Nobody remembers the locks. Like you can name the songs. And you can talk about Mary Power Respect with them, and like people are like, uh, "That's P Diddy, right?" I'm like no. Like people just don't even remember anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Give me. I love me some Jada Kiss. Aha! All right, but in any event. Uh, you know, we put the fun and functional sports content, Jake. Nobody does it like Roto Experts in the morning. That's why we are on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Want to uh, bounce some things off you, Jake? I know we don't talk much baseball anymore because, you know, it's towards the end of the season. A lot of teams are not competitive anymore. There's really only sharks in the water playing things like DFS Fantasy. So, you know, kudos to you if you are still managing your team day by day because you're a contender like my squad, the Trevor Ending Story, that now has a eight-point lead in Roto. We'll take that right now. Um, but in any event, I want to talk to you about something I saw with the San Diego Padres are doing, and I think it's kind of creative. You know, we talk about what the, the Tampa Bay Rays do with, like, their roster construction and the openers that are kind of creative, but listen, the Padres aren't bringing people to the ballpark at this point in the last two months of the season. Who wants to come see the Padres, right? Well, the Padres have come up with an idea to maybe uh, incentivize this. Get this, Jake. Uh, moving forward, if you pay $99 for a Padres ticket, you actually get to go to, it's almost like an all-you-can-eat buffet. You get to go to as many Padres games as you want until you see them win five games. Now, if you go in a homestand and they get hot, that might mean you go to see six games. But there's a chance that means that you can go to every Padres home game for like a month and a half. I think that's kind of interesting to maybe get people to sack up and spend some money for tickets because they think, you know, hey, it could be five games, but I could be buying tickets to like 20, and then it represents an incredible value. I mean, AJ, do you see it's like kind of weird because they're almost rooting, making their fans root for the Padres to lose? Or B, do 
do you think it's kind of a creative way to put butts in the seats towards the end of the season? I think it's actually creative. I mean, honestly, I understand what they're saying. It's, if you look at it from the the one angle, it sounds like, hey, the more you lose, the more games I get to go to because you can keep going to games for three weeks until they win five. Or, right. I mean, there's still the same risk. I mean, look at the Mets. They just beat them two out of three times, and you could go the other way where as miserable as a team is, all of a sudden – they play the Marlins, or all of a sudden they're just playing well, and they surprise everybody and win five out of their last seven, and then all of a sudden you're done already. Uh, obviously, right. you can try and pick and choose which games you go to and try to avoid, oh. you know, not that, not that they're playing the Yankees, but if they were, you know, you say, oh, forget that, I'm not going to those, or I am going to those games, but if they're playing I the am. Marlins, don't go to those because right. they, they might win. So, right. if I like, oh, they're it, facing I Kershaw, it's... let's go! <laughs> I think it's I think it's more interesting to see how this works out. If it increases ticket sales, it's going to be a genius idea. And, yes, it might seem like you're making fans root for them to lose, but at the same time, every, nobody, nobody's the, the, like the, demented enough to think that this team is going to be contending down the stretch or all of a sudden going to flip the script and be a surprise story. I think it's just a way that it's like, you know what, we know we're – we know you don't want to come because we're a losing team. Well, you know, you, now you can come and enjoy a losing team because, you know, you might get to go to a bunch of games and increase your value of your ticket. Yeah, I do. I think it's interesting, Jake. I really do. And I think it's creative. Um, let me ask you this, though. If you go, are you like, let, let's say you go and you're a Padres fan. I'm making those assumptions, right? Like, do you think you'd be actively in the stands, like actively cheering for them to lose? Or do you think you just like take it as it comes and however many games this is worth for you, it is. But do you think you actually start like booing your home team, hoping to stretch this out a little bit more? No, I think, no. I think that's the danger that people are assuming and you have that right. cynical point of view apparently. But, and if that does happen, if the worst case scenario that happens, then and there's your answer, and you don't do it again. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, and yes, Jake, I am a cynical New Yorker. I think it's kind of interesting, um, you know, because, listen, I'm trying to milk it for whatever value I can get. And I, I do think it's creative. For example, you mentioned even the same vein. I believe the Mets are eventually going to call up Tim Tebow for kind of the same reason, right, to just put butts in the seats. You they know, um, He's, he's done for the season. Um, he's done for the season. So he's not allowed to be called up? Because the double-A team season? No, he's done. He broke his hand. He's done for the season. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that. When did that happen? Like three days ago. Way to pay attention. Oh, three days ago. All right. Fair enough. No, I'm not paying attention to minor league baseball at this point of the year as much. No, but nobody is. Nobody is. But everybody was talking about that TMT boat just like the rest of what's going on with the Mets got hurt. That's all, all right. I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. Uh, he broke his hand, and then, you know, Noah Syndergaard has that hand and foot and mouth disease. You know, who knows what's going on with that organization. Yeah, that was part but of the whole the thing about the Mets and the, how much of a, jo- gotcha. of a joke it is. All right, fair enough. So maybe the Mets should consider this kind of same package like the Padres are because, you know, they got to put butts in the seats somehow. And even, you know, Cespedes gone, Syndergaard gone, and they don't even have uh, the uh, gate attraction that is Tim Tebow. All right, Jake, we are, uh, you know, we're doing a contest here. We're trying to give away an exclusive edge package. Remember, if you want to go cop one, definitely enter the promo code all in kid at checkout. Yesterday, you uh, you gave me a team submission, I believe, of Baby Got Dak, um, which is pretty interesting. We like that. What about um, another remix of that one that I got uh, online yesterday? You know, you talk about the uh, Baby Got Dak. What about the Justin Timberlake, uh, you know, version of this, which is I'm bringing sexy Dak. 
Yeah. Yeah, you like Baby Got Dak better? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we like Baby Got Dak better. You gave us Pokemon Creep. You got to know uh, when I bounced that off Scott yesterday, it sounded like he didn't he wasn't fully aware of what Pokemon was. You know, he was like, wait, what? What is that? What is that supposed to be? He said he knew what it was. I thought it was funny. Um, but he didn't really uh, that didn't move the needle for him as much. Uh, but we do have another submission that I kind of think is pretty good. Jake, and I, I, didn't catch, I didn't catch it at first, okay? I thought it was just about Zach Ertz, but it seems like he doubled down on this. What do you think about uh, my Ingram toenail hurts? Nah, this is, no, no. Because we've already had no? it hurts when I, I fart. Uh, I, I, this, this is, that's not going to do it. Oh, anymore. it hurts when I fart? Like, yeah, okay. All right, so fair enough. Still, Jake has not uh, been compelled to think that uh, anybody belongs in his top five. What I'm going to do, Jake, is I'm going to uh, share you on this document. Uh, you know, Scott asked to be able to manage his top five on his own. I'll, I'll uh, forward it to you as you already well. Shared, you already shared make... it with both of us. Oh, Scott doesn't it. pay attention. All right, fantastic. Well, he asked me to do it again. I'm trying to help him out. He wants to maintain his top five. We got a lot of Patty Mahomes puns. I think we will have some more Zach Ertz ones. I told you about Bilal, right? Henne a la vodka. All sorts of uh, submissions. We also got a submission from Truck223, Jake. But it definitely involves that middle school humor that we're talking about. So I'll, uh, we'll, uh, I guess, maybe disqualify that one. I'll, hit it. I'll let you know about that one offline I mean, you use a it. little bit. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be mine. Uh, Oh no, I'm not going to use it either. I just don't. I, you know, I think it's funny, but uh, not necessarily as fitting, shall we say? It's a little NSFW, not safe for work. But remember, give us your submissions as well. You can do it on Twitter. You can holler at us if you want. There was one more, Jake. Uh, we had uh, Chris and Cali, Chris in California. He called us during the first hour, and he submitted uh, one that had to do with Russell Wilson, and it was uh, dangerous wideouts. What do you think about that? It's decent. It's decent. I submitted a former team name that I had, and, you know, I'm not eligible. But when it came to Russell Wilson, I once, uh, you know, owned Russell Wilson, and I named my team Every Day I'm Russellin'. What do you think about that? Mm, it's decent, too. Uh, both of those are pretty just decent. decent. i probably go with the first one. We got just decent go ones. We got to get Jake – we got to find one that Jake actually likes. That is our quest as we move on. But, Jake, i got to ask you about a couple of things, okay? I was down there in the fantasy pit of misery, uh, down there on the fourth floor, dilly-dilly to guys like JP and our BFFs. You know, big shout-out to Mike Florio also, Jake. You know, um, as we all know, Mike Florio is moving on to greener pastures. He's going out there to uh, L.A. doing his thing with the NFL Network. We all, you know, give our uh, props and well wishes to our guy Mike Florio. But, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're going to be sending him off tonight a little bit. You know, the guys are going to be going out. Check, check for, uh, you know, maybe some videos, maybe some posts on that one on social media. But when I was down there uh, yesterday, I heard a couple of things that were going on involving you, Jake. Uh, Jake, you can uh, bench press 85-pound uh, dumbbells on each hand? Yeah. Yeah? And that's just that, and that's dumbbells. That's not like the bar, right? That's dumbbells, free weights in each hand? Yes. You're a beast, bro. You're a beast. How, how often do you work out? <laughs> the, three times a week and uh, cardio's the other three days and then rest really? on Saturday or Sunday, depending on, yeah. 
You know, like the good Lord resting over there on the, on the seventh day. <laughs> you're, you're, you're hitting it up six days a week? Really, Jake? You're a maniac, yeah. bro. That's, yo, props to you. I'm saying props to you. Of a man of a certain age, you're still getting it. I, I appreciate that. You got to keep yourself grown and sexy for all those times when you're on Frenzy, when we're Skyping you in and stuff with those baby blues. No, I but that's why, it's a, that's why it's frustrating. Because what, what, what do you I mean? What's my, fr- why? Because my body sucks. Because as somebody who works out as hard <laughs> as much as I do. No, it does. As much as I should be ripped by now, but I'm not because I've got a poor situation body-wise. <laughs> okay, the biology just isn't there. You weren't built for this, Jake. Is that what it comes it's, down to? It's complicated. It's complicated. I can explain it another time. Right. But there's there's, there's no reasons problem. behind no it. Problem. Part, of, part of it has to do with tomorrow. It, it's actually that. I got gotcha. so, I mean, listen. I hear you. You know, part of my reason, uh, quite frankly, is you know I'm an asthmatic man, so I can't run more than like half a mile without sucking wind. You know, I once was trying to get into like indoor soccer leagues and stuff, and I'm sucking wind after 20 minutes straight. I was like, yeah, I'll play goalie. So I hear you. We all have our challenges. Yeah. But yo, Jake, no, I actually, actually you, went to like, a doctor, and I, I, I've been to my doctor and actually asked him about it before, and we found that, like I said, there is a reason. But he he told me he was like, well, the good news is you'll be in shape when you're in your in your live a long time. It's like, well, that doesn't really help oh, for great. the fact that I work my ass off and I don't get to put on any muscle. But yeah, thanks. Jake, what are you like, Benjamin Button or something? This is crazy. Uh, I appreciate that, though. Listen, I know people want muscle to muscle wise, maybe because they don't. They don't, <laughs> I don't add muscle; they're just going the other direction. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair what's inconceivable. You're not the only person to doubt it. That's why it's inconceivable because you look at me and the, you, the muscles aren't there for what you would think I could lift. But somehow, I don't. I don't know how to explain it. I don't. I don't. Yeah, listen, it's all good. It's all good, Jake. We put the fun in functional sports content. It's not that I don't believe it. I was just more checking. It no, because, I know. You know. I guess the, what the thing is for me, Jake, is that you know the free weights are much different than putting up the bar. You know, so putting up the bar at one seventy and putting up eighty five each are, in my opinion, two different things. And the dumbbells are more impressive. Yeah. That's where I kind of wanted to get at. You know. Yeah, I actually videoed and some of the stuff. forty pound, the forty in each hand curls yesterday, just so I could show it to oh, nice. uh, the frenzy. <laughs> That's nice. And did you see that they made a little gif out of you, bro? Uh, you know, flexing yeah. a little bit. I, I mentioned it because they, they made a gif out of me also. <laughs> yeah, they made a gif out of me on uh, from Fantasy Freestyle on Tuesday. I was uh, debuting another one of my little fantasy football rap tracks, and I was, like, dancing along with it. They made a gif out of me kind of, like, making it rain or whatever. So, uh, you know, these guys down there in the fantasy pit of Midri doing good work. Dilly dilly to them. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, man, I saw on social media – uh, Jake, you know, my guy Danny O, right? Danny Otto, he's down there and producing the, the video for Fantasy Freestyle work in the, you know, and the night shift. He also has a great show here on Fantasy Sports called Poppin' Off, right? Where they do a lot of pop culture stuff. You know, Comic-Con was like last week or two weeks ago out there in San Diego and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They got a great show, but I saw a back and forth, Jake. Explain to me what was going on. Like there was a there was a thing back and forth on if you would ever appear and be like a guest on Poppin' Off, and some back and forth like on if you wanted to or not and stuff like that. Like what's going on? I love me some Danny Auto. Poppin' Off's a great show. Do you have any resistance to uh, joining Danny and Bodega Cat out there? No. Why do you keep asking me about this? I don't know what anybody's talking about. I, I've never said one way or another. I've asked you this, I've asked you this cha- before. Yeah. They did this like a oh. week or a week and a half ago. I don't know what's going on with them. I don't, I don't know why that. this is a thing. And yeah, at least, like, okay. this is a, I don't know who else it was. I don't know who else would have asked me about it. I don't know. I don't think Corey did. 
Maybe Corey did. Okay, I don't know. I, but I still have the same answer. I don't know what anybody's talking about because I've never said one way and I've never been asked to be on that show, and people are saying that I said that I wouldn't go on the show. All right, but, but there's no beef, right? There's no beef between you and Danny Otto. Yeah, there's beef now because I don't know what anybody the hell is talking about. <laughs> don't make it sound like I'm kind of coming on your show. Now I'm not coming on your show. Oh man, oh man! I don't want to stir up trouble here. I was just trying to—I was trying to clarify and hopefully that there was no issue. But listen, we don't want to—we don't want to push Jake's button because now, now he's not going to go on the show. But um, in any event, Jake, do me a favor. I know you know we, we are going to probably finish our AFC East previews tomorrow. Sounds like we may not talk again until Monday. So if that is the case, you know we'll try and do our best to hold you down here on Roto Experts in the morning. Um. So, you know, I hope uh, we have you back ready to go on Monday. But here's the thing, Jake. We will be finished with our division-by-division division previews. So what we may need to do, I think, is start to look deep into the rankings of the number one fantasy ranker in the business. Maybe we could talk about, you know, we'll go position-by-position position over the next couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, check the link and take it to life here on Roto Experts in the morning. Get in some good team name submissions, maybe uh, some that Jake likes as well. Have a great day, Jake, on Frenzy and otherwise. Have a great weekend as well. Carton and Friends up next. Roto Experts in the morning. Fantasy Sports Radio Network.